feeling in touch with your religious side? Wanting to rid yourself of sin? It's your lucky day because God is a trans woman, woman. Sasha Sidek. And Jesus is non-binary, binary, binary. Jacob Gamble. Join us on Queering the Air every Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. Queer and trans, arts, politics, pop culture, and everything in between. Only on 3CR Community Radio. Come worship at the altar of your queerness desires. We would like to acknowledge that this event and all of the work that we undertake as a crew happens on a stolen land. We wish to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the traditional custodian of this land we call now Melbourne. We pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Always was and always will be Aboriginal land. We also would like to extend our respect to our trans elders past and present. A respect to those trans elders and respect to everyone out there today at the Midsummer St Kilda. Um, I know I'll certainly be heading there later. You're on 3CR listening to Queen the Air. My name's Jacob. I'll be taking you through your next hour. And today we've got a very exciting program for you. I'll be chatting to a little local celebrity, as I would describe, um, up-and-coming superstar, Lion, singer-songwriter. They've just come off the back of headlining the Midsummer Carnival a couple weeks ago, and what a fabulous job they did. So we're going to be having a chat with them, and we're also going to be hearing from a couple of artists, curators, about what are some of the commonalities between the sci-fi cult classic Frankenstein and a queer person? Well, you'll have to stick around to find out, but I'll tell you now, uh, we spoke to CJ and ZJ, uh, who are both curators of an exhibition running through for Midsummer. It's happening a few doors down from us here at 3CR um, at Smith and Gertrude Gallery. So we're going to be hearing all about that very, very soon. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. We're going to jump to a quick track now. We'll be right back. Too far away 
Happy ending by Kalila there. You're listening to Queen Air on 3CR. Today, we're going to be speaking with the one, the only, Lion, electro-pop singer, songwriter, dancer, and all-round superstar. They are fresh off the back of headlining the Midsummer Carnival. And we sat down a little bit earlier to chat about their Ethiopian heritage, their artistic inspirations, their obsession with K-pop, and all the juicy details about that performance. I began by asking them about how they got into music. I started doing music, actually, in, like, grade three... So there was this really cute program, actually, called Groovy Music. And it was like a Sibelius program. And it was like kind of almost like a game where you like walk through it. So you've got like your little character, you walk through a city and the like skyscrapers are the beats and the clouds are the chords. And you're walking through the city and everything's playing in real time. And like... There are other elements, but it was pretty much just, like, you're walking through, like, a city, and every element of the city was, like, a musical element. It was so sick, and I was obsessed with it. Okay. <laughs> so I started with that, and, um... Can we retrace as well? Sorry, so, as, so you're in year three, yeah. your teacher takes you out of the classroom, <laughs> and you go for a walk around the city, and are you wearing headphones, or, oh, you know, are game. they... Okay. Yes, yeah, so this is like a game like on the computer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Did you think this was in real life? I, no, I literally thought you were walking around like Melbourne CBD, like, okay, so it's a game on a computer and and each each different part of the city represents like... Yeah, different musical elements like bass, chords, beats, mm-hmm. etc. Um, yeah, I started with that and I started with like producing and like I was so into like dubstep EDM, trance. I was so into all of that. I was like, how do they make those sounds? I need to I need to know how they make the sounds. So I, yeah, started with the groovy music, turned to an online program called Soundation, which is, like, free. And I just started learning how to make, like, dubstep synths. And, like, I started learning different genres of EDM. And that's how I kind of got my... That was my kind of way into music. And then from there, I got into, I think the next thing was I got into musical theatre. And I was so obsessed with that. I was so obsessed with that. My first thing was um, Ensemble and Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Love. Which is great. <laughs> it was such a vibe. I remember being so, I loved just the atmosphere and the community that musical theatre brought. And I was just like, oh my God, I've got to keep doing this. So I, at my local theatre, Beaumaris Theatre... I just did all sorts of different musicals. I did The Little Mermaid. I played a little King Triton, mm. <laughs> which is super cute. Mm. Um, I played in this musical called 13. And 13 the Musical. 13 the Musical, yeah, yes. I've seen it. <laughs> yes, it's so good. Um, after like I had my kind of like musical theater kind of phase, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I was like, this is really awesome, but I feel an urge to express personal things through my music, through music and art in general. So I started to, like, focus more on songwriting, I guess, in, like, mid-high school. And from then... Oh, no, I'd say early high school. Um, So I was like, okay, cool. Let's just feel into this journey and see what where this takes me. And I 
actually really like the catharsis of expressing emotions that were maybe taboo or were more negative or that I couldn't feel like I could express in words. So that's kind of what drew me to songwriting more and that's where I could like mash my production skills and my songwriting together and it became a became a thing um but yeah I so that was high school and Mm -hmm. I was like okay I'm really into songwriting I'm really into this in general and I think around year 10 is when I started dance so that was when moving became a thing but I didn't put those two together yet until like uni so I was like pretty much actually no it was like the end of year 12 end of year 12 someone introduced me to my first k-pop video and i was like oh my god this is literally what i've envisioned in my head like the package of visuals dance music all of it together it's just a it's just a package deal and it's like almost like an unsaid thing that everyone's doing so i was like okay so this is just the norm Okay, cool. I was mm. like, all right, this is like everything that I wanted to be because I grew up like like watching pop stars like Beyonce, Destiny's Child and like the Black Eyed Peas and I like I grew up with that on like a VHS tape when I was like two. Mm. <laughs> so I was like continuously watching that when I was in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd just continuously be watching that. So I grew up on pop. Wow. So I mean... Seeing, seeing that and like we had like the western examples like we had you know limited girl groups like Little Mix I loved Little Mix when I was younger um I you know we have we of course have like Beyonce we have Britney Spears we have pop stars who do that but K-pop it's like a very different they take it to another level yeah to be honest it's in its own lane it's in its own lane exactly and i was really drawn to that and i just got got obsessed with that yeah you Um, said get me in this lane lane. (laughs) (laughs) so that was where i was like okay let's mash my dance and music together and make it a thing Mm. so it was a journey of just like going to classes i did like contemporary hip-hop tiny bit of ballet jazz um and yeah and i think from like high school and that discovery of k-pop i went into uni i did a bachelor of songwriting and music production mm-hmm. at melbourne polytechnic which was amazing it's an amazing course of like finding out what your artistry is and it was very tailored to like who are you like and what do you want to get out of this so i found that really helpful because i was going on that journey anyway so I did that, and that was really cool in kind of, like, finding my influences. I was really interested in, like, electropop, but I was also really interested in, like, rock and kind of more metal influences. And I was like, ooh, this is interesting. And then I kind of also had an affinity for, like, R&B and neo-soul. So I was like, ooh. I was like, this hodgepodge of influences. Mm. It's really cool. So... Through that, I kind of fi- found kind of a sound. And, like, halfway through uni, that's when I signed with Tomboy Records. And the way that um, my manager, Lex, actually got introduced to me was actually so random and funny. Because 
one of my friends was just like sending one of my music videos around to different people. They were like, check this, check this bitch out. <laughs> so they sent the video to my now manager mm-hmm. and my manager was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll check out this video. Like, sure. Let's, let's, let's do that. Um, they checked it out and they were like, who is this? <laughs> who is this? Get me on the phone with them right now. <laughs> and at first I was like, really in my on my stubborn independent artist shit i was like okay okay yeah all right um you want to get involved in my music i don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) so i was yeah i was very protective Mm. when you're an independent artist of course you're like when people want to go get into it when people want to have like a say in developing you you don't have a you takes a lot of time to build the trust. Yeah. So, um, eventually, because we just had a lot of conversations and we talked things out and we were like, and I was like, okay, this actually does sound like a good idea. Mm. So, um, that's when I signed to Tomboy. I got managed and that's when Lion began and mm. it's developed into now. So, And um, yeah. what year was Lion born? Lion was born in... <laughs> Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. And tell me about how you came up with that name. What does it mean to you? I mean, it was really interesting because I actually originally I was like, I don't really want a stage name. I want to go by my name, James Carlos. And (laughs) my manager was like, that doesn't really have a ring to it, babe. (laughs) And I was like, fair enough. Um, oh my god! Because, <laughs> Imagine being so. Oh, your name—it doesn't really have a ring to it. Sorry, like, like your parents should have done better. <laughs> Imagine long. Um, yeah, like as an artist name, it probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have been the best. Um, but but I think I was set on my name because I just wanted to be as authentic as possible to myself. Mm-hmm. But lion, lion is actually the lion is the national animal of Ethiopia, oh. which is really cool. Um, and it's also like a symbol of confidence and courage and like I l- really love using the raw as like a symbol of like disruption and like shocking people and you know speaking my truth all of that so that's kind of what it represents for me and I feel like when we when I ca- when we like settled on the name line I was like okay this makes sense this doesn't feel like I'm performing someone, or it just feels like me. So, yeah, that's how that's how Lion came about. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Gorgeous. And you you mentioned before that you like grew up in Ethiopia. Yes. Tell us about that. That's so interesting to me. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was actually I was born in England, mm-hmm. and then we moved to Ethiopia like when I was pretty much starting kindergarten. So I have very limited memory of like. England. I remembered a bit of the snow, and also jumping up and down on a trampoline in a Spider-Man suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ethiopia is still is still like home to me. And I remember, you know, we had a house with like a pomegranate tree. Had so many pomegranates. We had like, yeah, had like a best friend there, and we used to like play all the time and I remember the sound of like prayer calls in the morning and and 
going down to the stall and getting biscuits from the little stall. <laughs> little memories like that is like I'm really fond of, especially now. Mm. And I haven't been back in a while. Um, but it's still when I go back, it's still very much I'm like, okay, like I'm I'm back home, mm. which is really nice. And I think Ethiopian music has always been a part of my life, no matter where we've been. So Ethiopian music definitely, like, influences the way that I write and the melodies that I make and so many different elements of my music, which I think is a really important kind of tether to Ethiopia. It's, like, an important kind of connection. The music will never leave me. We've been listening to a chat with singer-songwriter, dancer, Lion. Uh, now we're going to put on one of their tracks. This one's called Attention. And just a warning, it's got some explicit language. Enjoy. Oh, we want attention, cause we can't give ourselves enough affection. Yeah. We don't get the hit of validation, then we numb self-destruct obsession. Honey, don't you play dumb? Yeah, that's for the likes of men would dress up. The kid who just wanted to be loved, wanted to be hugged, wanted attention. Scroll, racking up screen time. Stop, look at me right now. Is it enough to stand up so hot that we'll never ever reach it? So type in the attack. My am up this not dead. Oh, we want attention, cause we can't give ourselves enough affection. That's my cue on stage, gotta stop that In a minute, like, hit the bulls, they'll clip it Every last drop of amusement, spread that Dreams of the curtain, and you see a person Feel the applause, and it grows, and you feel nothing Feel nothing, hit it, pull out, and become nothing Become nothing but a show of a human We just performance Praise like I want ya Hit everyone and go home on the show is done So can you tell me what the fucking point is? Put it on, and I have a sleep, and never take a rest the fuck I'm Really wants attention, cause you can't give ourselves enough Attention by Lion. Um, you're on 3CR Queen the Air, if you already know. We're hearing a chat that I had uh, with Lion, who is a queer alt 
electro pop artist um, a little earlier. We're going to jump straight back in. Are there any experiences that were really formative for you, not only like through a personal lens, but also through like an artistry lens? Yeah. Ooh. I feel like. Ooh, there are so many. Yeah. <laughs> there are actually so many. Um, if you had to pick a top three or top, top three, two. Yeah. Okay. Top two is good. Okay, I'll do a top two. Um, I feel like when I oh when I went to Korea was a really cool one um, because obviously we talked about how I was I had my love for K-pop mm-hmm. and I yeah went on a, like a group friend trip to Korea and I went to one of the really how famous old were you? I was like this was like 2020 so. Literally just before lockdown. Right, yeah. Just before lockdown. That was crazy. Uh Um, So that was, yeah, when I was like, how old am I now? Like 18? Yeah. Yeah, 18. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, So I went to like one of the famous dance studios in Korea that I had loved and had seen so many YouTube videos of. And I got taught like two classes there. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I also went to an award show, like a K-pop award show. So I got to see most of my favorite groups live, which was crazy. Like, so many of them were performing at that particular award show. And I was just in the crowd. Because in in Korea, it's kind of a thing to um, only cheer for your group that you're into. And the other groups, they don't really cheer for. Oh, Yeah, which is pretty brutal. Um, But yeah, just different culture. And I was just screaming the whole time for every single group. And it must have been really funny for, like, people to, like, be looking back, like, what is this bitch on? (laughs) Um, But I feel like that was really formative in the way of, like, oh, yes, like, this is definitely what I want to be doing and the direction that I kind of want to be going in, um, where I have my choreo, I have my... Even in terms of, like, music, like, the music is so multitudinous and it varies so much like there's so many different changes and different sections and different like ear candy moments that happen in like k-pop songs that i'm always fascinated with and Mm. production techniques that i'm like that's so cool (laughs) it's just so sick Mm. so i feel like that really cemented for me i was like okay this is definitely the direction that i want to go in and where i want to take my artistry and especially my live performance and were you a part of any like k-pop um dance groups or anything back here yes yes um i actually okay. was yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love this. yeah. so this group called audacity um with an ass instead of like audacity. Audacity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um yeah we formed that in like i think it was in 2020 yeah um and was You're it still in 2020 in I'm kind of okay. in it, kind of not. Right, we'll, we'll because say she was a part of it. We'll say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just because I'm focused on, of course, my live performances as Lion and everything, so mm-hmm. um, I kind of tape it off a bit in terms of that. But um, yeah, I, yeah, we started that, like, four of us? Four, five, five, five of us. Mm-hmm. And we, yeah, we did a bunch of covers in around Nam and in, like, Queensbridge Square... Like, outside of the State Library, we've done different covers and filmed them and put them up on our YouTube channel and 
all that and yeah that was amazing it was amazing to get to be a part of projects and get to lead different dance projects and inject some of my own cardio into it too which was really cool um yeah i feel like that was a really cool kind of community experience of people who also love to dance and that was kind of my first taste of because now i like lead my own choreo and teach my own dances and everything that was kind of my first taste of that kind of dance side of things and learning and teaching people and and all the different processes that go into um finalizing a dance performance mm. that's kind of like kind of like my boot camp in terms of that mm. which was really cool um but yeah so yeah that was that was really fun it was it's really fun doing k-pop covers and of course we have to talk about midsummer carnival yeah. you headlining so proud i mean what was that like oh uh, i mean it was just so many different emotions at once it was exhilarating it was i mean i vividly remember because I feel like this is like I've never really had a performance where I've had so many elements to my outfit and I've had like really a spectacle in how I'm dressed because like I wear bodysuits and all that um, but this was like a first in terms of like I had laser glasses on I had like a crown on I had like an LED light up corset <laughs> mm. so there were a lot of elements that were um, I was being that were just like being fitted to me and then I was like got the two minute call and I was like okay <laughs> just gotta <laughs> alright I gotta get into the zone now <laughs> let's do it yeah um, what was going through your head when there were like two minutes until you're on the stage I mean when I get that like call or I'm about to go on to perform I always do my deep breathing exercises and I just kind of almost kind of like meditate on what the songs that I'm performing are about and how that re relates to the community that I'm performing to. So, like, for example, if I'm about to go on stage and I'm about to perform Not Your Fetish, I'm like, this is an anthem for people who feel like they've been stereotyped or generalized or feel like they've been made assumptions about. And for them to reject that and reclaim their own power and narrative. So I kind of consciously do that and often um like on the day of the gig i often actually write out in my notes what the songs mean to me and and what like what that means to other people because i feel like that's really that's what it's all about it's always been about messages and stories and and narratives and um trying to provoke thought and conversation about different things and like that's the that's the heart of my artistry so if i connect to that i kind of get into a zone where i can perform to the best of my ability mm. so yeah so i'm in my on my two minute call i've i'm kind of deep breathing i'm kind of feeling into what this whole set's about and i remember stepping onto the stage and i was looking at the side of the stage and I looked to the front and there's just a sea of people and I'm like, okay, it's game time. Okay, it's on. A, f a f switch just flipped in my brain and I was like, all right. 
here we fucking go. <laughs> That's so funny because I feel like in that moment it would be either like fight or flight. And you chose fight. You were like, okay, let's, let's go. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah. And just from there, I was just like, I'm in the zone. And it was so cute because so many of my friends were, were like in the front and I could see them all. I saw Sasha. <laughs> Yes. Which is so good. Um, I loved that. I, it was really nice seeing friends in the front because yeah. that was just like, ah. Oh. Because it was kind of like, that makes it more intimate. It makes it more like, I'm just performing to my pals. Mm, mm. <laughs> Which is really nice. Um, but I think the gravity of like, wow, I'm like performing to so many people at once. I have the opportunity to, you know influence people's lives through music and in that moment make them feel a certain way that's like I, that's like an unexplainable kind of experience to be having because I always say when I stand on stage I don't just stand as one I stand as 10,000 so I'm, I'm, I'm representing so many different communities and so many different experiences and when I'm on stage I just really want to make sure people feel like accepted feel like they can be liberated from any struggle feel like they can feel into their feel into their pain and find joy in it and so many different things um cuz i think no, none of us are free until we're all free mm -hmm. so i want to create that environment where Everyone can be free to be whoever they want to be and express what they want what they want to express. Um, that's always what I hope to do as an artist. And yeah, and th those those thoughts and emotions were really going through my head when I was performing at Carnival, and it was over. It was like twelve minutes. It was like a twelve minute set. Mm. So it was over so quickly. Let's chat about as well one of your main songs, not your fetish. Yeah. Because you were talking before about wanting to make people feel liberated and free and, like, they don't have to stick to the stereotypes imposed upon them. Mm. Would love to hear more. Like, what inspired you to write it and yeah. how how do you hope people receive it? Yeah, I mean, the song itself just started as kind of, like, a fun song. It was just kind of, like, it started with the lines, um, don't touch what you can't afford and you can look at me, don't touch. Mm. And we were just kind of being really playful and fun about it and being like, oh, those are, those are two lines which are fun to work with. Let's just expand on that and make a song out of that. Um, there were actually two lines that, were, that um, one of my friends, Amy, came up with and my Lex, my manager, was, was like, let's write a song around this. And I was like, okay, cool, let's do it. So we did that and we came up with the concept of, like, not your fetish. We were like... Yeah, you can look at me, don't touch. Bitch, I'm VIP. Mm. You can't touch this. Kind of that kind of vibe. Which is really fun and sassy. Um, but I don't think the gravity of what we were actually, 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 actually writing about, like, really hit us until, like, later on in the writing process. Because it is, it is really fun and it is really, like, it's especially fun to perform live. Um, but I think the deeper message is, like, we we will we refuse not to be seen as wait <laughs> we refuse to be seen as only 
part human or subhuman or these different stereotypes that you that you think about us or yeah we refuse to be seen as that we are whole complicated nuanced humans who actually have really meaningful stories and we have really like complex lives that you that a lot of people seem to want to reduce and simplify and yeah and it's just a real statement of like we are whole humans and we are not fetishes in any way we are not we are not this idea that you think we are F-E-T, I shut you down Pull up and take the crown F-E-T, I shut you down Don't touch what you can't afford Don't touch, don't touch Don't touch what you can't afford Don't touch, You think I'm calculated But I'm so complex Want it formulated Like I'm an object Got a taste of your freak obsession I'll never be your position Stop getting up in my face That one was Not Your Fetish by Lion. And we just finished up having such a wholesome chat with them. Uh, They're just such a a bundle of pure, wholesome joy. And I wish nothing for the best, nothing but the best for them in their artist journey. So exciting to see them headlining the Midsummer Carnival. And I believe they have a lot of gigs coming up. So if you like what you heard and you want to see more, 
Chuck them a follow on Instagram at this is lion, L-I-O-N, official. Shifting gears a little bit now, we're going to be talking about what do queer people and a sci-fi cult classic have in common? This is a question on everyone's lips, I know, but it's a question that a art exhibition a couple doors down from 3CR here in Fitzroy may have the answers to. So monsters, body horror, and the process of self-creation are all themes on display in Smith and Gertrude Gallery's newest exhibition, The Frankenstein Show. Inspired by Mary Shelley's classic novel, curators C.J. Stark and Z.J. Sidney wanted to create a community-minded exhibition that explored the intimate and arduous process of self-discovery as a trans or queer person, becoming, as they said, the creator and the creation. So we're going to be having a bit of a chat with CJ and ZJ all about this amazing exhibition. I'm CJ, pronouns are he, they, rhymes, wasn't intentional. My my initials were just cool. Um, I've been working, like, I'd say professionally professionally in the arts for like three, four, five years even now. I mean, I've been doing art most of my life, as is like every like neurodivergent kid who was gifted and is now doing every single hobby under the sun. Um, and I started out embroidering my own nudes as a trans person, as a transmasculine person who has that relationship with their body and their tits and kind of, and then, then looking at my own transition, whether that's through med- medical means, starting tea now a year ago, or looking at the way I dress through suits, or just the hairstyles and just the way that we transition and the way we exist as trans people and as queer people. Um, yeah, and I've been working um, yeah, in the arts for five years now and I've been curating uh, like for a few years. Um, and working on a lot of community exhibitions um, and working with community because community is all we have. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, Hey, I'm ZJ or Zoe or Zero. They're all fine. Um, I've been on the art scene for probably like four years. Uh, But, yeah, same. Been making art for a long time about queer community and about my journey and it's lovely to sort of expand that and include other people's journey and other people's amazing work. And you've got this exhibition coinciding with Midsummer called The Frankenstein Show. Tell us all about it. How did it come about and what's kind of the concept threading all these beautiful artworks that we see? So we were at um, a networking event with Reflect, which is like an organization that works to connect um, queer businesses with other queer businesses. They have like a directory. And so we were both, both we both had like portraits with them. And we'd, but we'd also worked together because I, I curated a show last year that had their works in it, um, which is still my favorite work ever to this day. Um, and so like, um, yeah, and then we like caught up properly again after kind of like being just like in the art world in like similar spaces, as is the queer art scene anywhere, especially in Nam. And um, so yeah, and then we were and we were like, yeah, it'd be cool if we made like a bunch of kink and sex objects out of like unconventional materials. And then we expanded that thought. We were like, what if like we looked at how generally people construct their own bodies beyond just kind of throughout those practices, but how bodies themselves like outside of sexuality now just like 
a community project basically on constructing bodies and yeah yeah like when we got together we really wanted to do something that was about that horror of like making yourself as a trans person and then as queer artists and how sort of also the horror of making art and the horror of making your own body and how those things play into each other. Um, and then we were lucky that so many people responded to that and got behind that idea and jumped in with their like amazing pieces and their amazing response to the concept of Frankenstein because it's about both being Dr. Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster all rolled up into one. What's kind of some of the highlights for you out of this art exhibition? I think, like, generally, the, I know I keep saying community, but, like, generally the highlight has been working with, so, like, working with our community and I think as two community-minded people being able to work that, with that and create a space where people can engage with that and feel welcome into that space and for queer and trans people to see themselves and to kind of look at how, like, a lot of trans people haven't been... A lot of... A lot, how, how trans people... Um, feel their gender is and how they address that and how they respond to that and a lot of the hanging works which we were surprised about and which was which were really fun to put up as well and all the works that were like the works you can engage with and all the works that um that really just the various ways that trans people have like like dug up parts and put them back together and like grafted like things to like create their bodies and the various ways that they address that. Yeah, I think for me it's really exciting to have a space. Like, it's midsummer, it's wonderful, we love it. We're, like, celebrating queer community. But it's nice to have a space to get into that, like, grittier side of it and some of that, like, the grossness. We're talking about bodies, we're talking about sex. Like, it's about transforming yourself and sort of that other side of that. I think it's really fun to explore. And how do you hope people will feel when they walk into the space? I think, like, seen and understood and, like, to feel like they're among people like them who understand them and that to go in and just see all these works and um, to have it resonate and... Um, I think, yeah, but to also notice the, like, the, the monstrous parts of it and those horrors and the parts that, um, that aren't always viewed as beautiful when in reality for every single trans person like, like, and, and, and the chosen family that surround us, they see that as beautiful, but also taking that narrative back as well to like, consider how we're often perceived. Yeah, I hope it makes people look at their own bodies differently, you know, like think about how they could take themselves apart and rearrange themselves and like join themselves with other bodies and other things in the show. Amazing. And I know neurodivergency has been a bit of a theme uh, in this show and your own identities as well, as you said. Um, tell me a bit about this, the low sensory night that you had last night, because that's something that I don't think I've heard happen before. If you feel comfortable. Yeah, um, we were so excited to have that. Um, like, I'm, I'm autistic and I have ADHD, and so a lot of art openings are terrifying for me. Like, um, 
often like if I'm going even to an art opening with any friends I'm like I need you to hold me the whole time we're here um, which is not a bad thing I love my chosen family they're everything to me but it's nice to go into a space and feel really calm and that's what we wanted with low sensory because it started off with another exhibition that was it that was at another venue another like another trans exhibition where they had this low lighting and ever since then and every since like every exhibition that I've been involved with where I've been able to do it I've been like well like where we've we've been able to do it we've been like we need something so that neurodivergent people can come in and feel comfortable and not feel overwhelmed by lots and lots of people and loud music. Um, and we're excited for our big main opening tonight. Um, one of like we're, we're so excited to have this drag. We're also just excited that we were able to have people collage last night and literally make their own bodies out of old lesbian magazines. <laughs> it was incredible and really heartwarming. And we're happy that we could we could do that and for it to. Someone said they didn't need their loops last night, which was amazing and was really beautiful. Yeah, so it's like if you've been to sort of a low sensory session, like they have them at the supermarket sometimes, it just means we turn the lights down, we turn the volume down, we're like, there's no speeches, there's not going to be any loud music. It's just a chiller environment, which for a lot of people is um, the... It's wonderful that that's, that allows them to be able to come to the show. Great. And I know you both have uh, pieces on display at the exhibition. Would you feel like giving me a bit of a, a visual description of what you've got on show? So my work is a blazer that I bought back in 2019, um, which is when I was cis too, which is a bit funny. I don't know why I thought that was ever going to be a thing. I thought it was a cis woman, a straight woman, but very much not that now. A lesbian, a non-binary lesbian. Um, so yeah, I bought that. I bought that blazer a while back. Um, I embroidered moss on it. It was originally a dress. Um, and then, when thinking about this show, I thought about how suiting is an extension of a lot of um, a lot. It's it's a point of gender euphoria for so many people, um, and it's, and like transmasculine people, butch lesbians, and just butch people, and just generally just like suiting in the queer community. And I embroidered top surgery scars onto it to look at that kind of that part of changing your body, obviously. And I also had like period blood there to look at kind of the idea of like periods as monstrous and then as then trans masculine people and trans men who still have periods and like body hair and all those things that are so much perceived as ugly. Um, when in reality they're not, they're beautiful, they're incredible. But my, that's what my artwork is about and just looking at how um, like we alter our bodies to make them feel comfortable at home or we accept them and the way we the way that trans people we engage with our bodies and as queer people we make space for that um is not often perceived as beautiful but it is yeah that's my work it's called frankenstein's tea boy uh my work is in the toilet because that's i love to have art in the toilet at a show it's called richard um and it's a nude portrait of someone in a rainbow ski mask with a rainbow crocheted strap on holding a massive pair of bolt cutters. Uh, yeah, and I'm also doing a drag performance tonight. So that's, that's what I'm doing in the show. Can we unpack Richard a little <laughs> bit more? Because <laughs> this, <laughs> this is so like, um, this is so unique to me, a, a portrait in a toilet. Why the toilet? And tell us a little bit about, you know, what this, this nude portrait kind of means to you, how it ties into your own personal journey. Yeah. Um, it's very, it's not my nude, it's just a nude I shot. I don't know how to, like, 
convey that in a sentence. But oh well, that, I guess I did. Um, <laughs> He's just a little guy. He's just a little guy. I love to put a nude work in the toilet because then you're like both in a vulnerable position and you're sort of like you have to look at each other and you're looking at each other's bodies and I think that it's like a beautiful moment of connection like you have to spend time with Richard if you're facing a certain way uh, so that's what Richard's all about Richard is there with the bolt cutters Richard is a little threatening but please please come and use the toilet at the Frankenstein show Gender neutral, presuming. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> A gender neutral <laughs> Incredible. And do we have any other final comments to add? Um, we are just like, I had a little cry this morning because I was like, this is so exciting that I get, that I get to work with like so many cool trans artists and curate it with CJ as well. Not CJ, ZJ. Not myself. Um, and to, like, that we have an exhibition on Smith Street, like a queer and trans exhibition that's so openly that. And I just didn't come out till I was 19. And then now I'm 24. And, like, Smith Street was where I kind of, like, discovered my things with Thursdays and all the things. And I just... I mean, Thursdays isn't the same, but that's another thing. But, yeah. Um, I, yeah, Smith Street is really special. And it's been really special for me and it feels really exciting to just to just have this exhibition even and to be doing it and for it to be such a community thing and to such a thing of like we are all we have and it's so beautiful that everyone's come in with that attitude and that um, coming in from that position um, with their art. And it's just really exciting. I had a little cry because I'm really proud of what we've done and we've worked so hard for this. And I just, I love gay people. <laughs> Good final words. Um, yeah, I definitely feel very honoured. Like, it was a big effort organising 30 people into not that big of a space. And, like, this is a totally unfunded, community-based show. So it was a lot of our time. But it has been such a great payoff. Like, for some people, it's their first time exhibiting. And it's been wonderful to give that opportunity and be able to bring these people together and for people to so generously offer their works. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you both so much and best of luck for your opening night. Thank you. I really have to run and get dressed. <laughs> yeah. That was CJ Stark and ZJ Sydney, the curators of The Frankenstein Show and also just the most adorable people you'll ever meet. Like pure wholesome energy zj was halfway through putting on a drag phase and still took the time to come speak with me uh and cj was just so accommodating they were both so warm and welcoming so yeah i would i would highly recommend get along uh to the frankenstein show it's at smith and gertrude gallery and it's on until the 12th of february also happens to be on on that day, the 12th of February, which, if you didn't know, is the Victoria Pride Street Party. So have a little boogie on the street and then come and see some amazing art from local queer and trans artists. You can see monsters, body horror, um, all sorts of different mediums. While I was there at the opening night on last Thursday, I also had a chance to speak with two of the artists who are exhibiting in the exhibition, uh, this is a conversation with Foot and Emmy Southie. So, welcome to the studio. I've got Emmy and Foot. 
Hello. <laughs> Hi. So we've got an art exhibition just a few doors down and both of you are exhibiting a piece of work. Um, Foot, do you want to start by telling us what's on display? Uh, so it's a portrait of myself. I'm big into self-portrait. A portrait I love it. Um, it's a little bit surrealist, so it's all monochrome, kind of a gold aesthetic, um, wearing a ridiculous headpiece, lots of fabric. Yeah. Nice. And what's kind of the inspiration behind the work? So the work is called um, Who the Hell Are Oscar and Tony and Why Are They Always Thin? Um, and it was born out of a bit of a frustration because everybody around me, I seem to be in the minority here, but everyone around me loves award season. They kind of get thrown into it. People watch the Oscars and the Tonys and the Emmys and whatever. Um, and I sort of started noticing that like every award that was given is a stick thin person. Mm. And it was like, Hmm, that's interesting that like we accolade to accepting something that is just a thin person. And it might not seem like something other people think about. And I just kind of got annoyed about it. So I did what I always do, which is create my own funky reality. Um, so I went home, found every piece of gold fabric I could find. And I sort of turned myself into a trophy. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And this self-portrait, you are the Oscar and the Tony. Yeah. yeah. I love it. That's mm -hmm. so fun. Yeah. Uh, and Emmy, tell us a bit about yours. Uh, my piece is like... Uh, screen printing collage that was site specific so I glued and nailed lots of it to the wall um, and a lot of it was like dual tone printing of images of myself that my partner took um, of me in more femme outfits which is just not really me so it was me kind of like trying to break outside of my like what I normally like to wear. Nice and tell us a bit about the inspiration what drove you to create this? Similar to foot I was in a state of annoyance. That's <laughs> um, where it all begins. <laughs> I felt myself making a lot of work that was really abstract and I felt like I was dancing around trying to make art that was queer and that was me. And the piece is called Gender Fuck Fuck Gender. So I kind of had a moment where I was like, I've had enough of trying to make like really abstract, like funky art that people really need to read into and was more like, I'm just going to take photos of myself, which I feel so uncomfortable doing. And then go from there and just make things that feel direct and like straight to the point. Mm, nice. And how do you hope people will feel when they see this? I hope that other queer people that are also annoyed share their <laughs> anger and annoyance and feel, um, yeah, you know, comfortable to break out of their own, what they expect themselves to be and what others expect them to be. Mm, just a, a bubble of, of queer anger and annoyance. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Self-liberation. For sure. I'm into it. Um, and Foot, how do you hope people will feel looking at your self-portrait? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I always... Um, self-portraiture is an interesting thing and I feel like um, I sort of send pictures of me out in like ships and hope that people catch on to what I'm trying to say. But my work is all about asking a question, like asking people to join me in my kind of Delulu reality where things are a little bit more liberated, things are a little bit more interesting and a little bit more colourful, I suppose. Us to start. Just similar, I think we um, both work under the, eye, the guise of pretty images that are really just a protest. Um, and I think that I'm kind of 
getting people to come in and think think more constructively about the world around them. It's midsummer, a time of celebrating queerness and transness and whatever you are. Um, what message would you have for your communities? I don't know. Be yourself. Enjoy being yourself. Don't give a fuck what other people think. <laughs> and take lots of photos of yourself. Absolutely. If you take a million, one of them's got to be good, right? 